3: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
2: You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Yeah, here we go. Straight out of Vegas. You heard it. Steve Cofield. The one, the only, R.J. Bell.
4: And in the wise guy chair, Mr. Steve Fezzik. I mean, this guy, (laughs) you could say a bunch of things. He has a mansion. He has a yacht. (laughs) But the best NFL Handicapper in the world. The only guy to win the super <laughs> contest twice.
2: This is his week when there's uh, about 800 proposition bets on the boards. And as we call them, derivatives to break down. This guy hunkers down and uh, is going to try to make a bunch of money. This is an exciting week. I love Super Bowl week.
4: And I'll tell you the props, and we'll touch on them this show. We got two hours tonight, every Saturday night. But next week, especially, it will be almost all prop talk. Because a lot of people that want to be smart and sharp, they say, well, you know, the Super Bowl is just one game. And it is just one game. But it's a game that has 500 separate bets on it. And I think I was on, I think it was with the Gormans this week. I do a segment with those guys, um, with Jeff and Steve right here on Fox every Friday at, um, let me see, it's 415 Pacific. So 715 Eastern. And the analogy I gave was think of the biggest eater, you know, all right. Think in your mind, he hasn't eaten for two days and he's at the best buffet in the world. That's how Fezzik is when those prop, when those 400 props (laughs) are released, that is how Fezzik is true or false. It's true, but it's like the best buffet in the world that only has one or two portions. RJ, you got to get to it and eat it first. Well, but it's not just one or two because, I mean, from from I, come kickoff of the Super Bowl, how many separate bats are you going to have? I'm at 25 right now. Would you like to set the over-under for where I'll be by next Sunday? Well, no, because you know better than me. What do you think? <laughs> 49 and a half. All right. So, this, so it's not one or two <laughs> servings. It's 49 and a half servings.
2: I think he was referencing how important value is, right? On these proposition bets that you try to get them at the right time because he's a numbers guy.
5: Absolutely. So it's important to be in line first because a lot of these, frankly, I bet them, but they're no longer bettable, in my opinion, at the current prices.
4: All right. So let's set the Vegas lead at the top of every hour straight out of Vegas. We do. And what's the lead? It's the Super Bowl. Current line, we've got the, is it the Pro Bowl or the Super Bowl, you think? I think the Super Bowl. We'll talk a, we will talk a little Pro Bowl. But Patriots, neutral field obviously, favored by four and a half over the Eagles, total forty eight. Fez, in your opinion, what is the lead story betting wise right now about the big game? Oh, money is pouring in
5: here in Vegas on the underdog Eagles to win the game outright. We're seeing the million dollar better. you Tweeted about him. You've spoken about him, RJ. He's pounding in bets on the Eagles to
4: win outright, and the public is coming in and betting the same thing. Okay, so let's be clear. I think usually saying the million dollar better is enough, but in the Super Bowl, there's going to be, you know, what, ten plus million dollar bets probably. So this guy is the let it. Ro- I think the better way, and we talked about it extensively. Cofield last night, but I think we touch on it here is the Let It Ride Better that pregame.com broke the story on for the World Series and got a ton of attention over, got back in the game. He did have one UFC fight last week and he lost. It was the first loser anyone has on record for the Let It Ride Better, but he bet $3 million at the MGM on the Eagles to win the game. But he wanted a bet more. His intention by pregame.com reporting, he wanted to get $10 million down. And my strong, well, let's say this. I've got individual reports, but I do like to get two before I tweet it out, is he is talking to the other books looking to get down more getting up to, ideally, I guess, the $10 million.
2: So I think the important thing to examine here is what Fezzik said a couple of minutes ago. Money is pouring in for the Eagles to win. I worked at Sportsbooks. I worked behind the counter. I sat there. People would walk up with the underdog and say, I want to bet this team. Okay, do you want to lay minus 110 and get five and a half points, or do you want the money line? And there's an important difference. This guy wanted to bet them to win. So, what does he give up when he does that when he can get four and a half? And then the money line, what happened to the money line? They actually
4: moved it on him, right? Yeah. So, a couple questions there. Let's talk the let it ride better first, right? Is three million bucks doesn't matter if it's MGM or how big, because MGM is one of the bigger books in town. It doesn't matter. That's a lot of money. Now, why is the bookie scared, you could say? And I think it's fair to say, and this is a point I think it's worth just slowing down for. The Super Bowl is probably the only event of the calendar year that bookies are scared of. Now, here's the paradox. It's been 27 years that we in Nevada have kept Super Bowl betting <laughs> accounted for separately. This is a great fact. It really a great stat. In Those 27 years, the batters in net have won twice, and the bookies have won 25 times. The winning side at 25-2 and is worried. Is scared. I think scared. And here's why. Is it's the only game if they get lopsided on. So what do do I mean lopsided? So let's say even today's Duke-Virginia game, a big college basketball game, maybe the biggest of the year. If they were 85 percent one team and 15 percent the other, so the money is lopsided, disproportionate. Yeah, they're going to be rooting for the side to win more money, yeah, But if they lose that game, it all gets in the mix, right? Maybe their whole percentage is, you know, 5.2 percent versus 5.3 if they had won that game. The Super Bowl is so big that if they get lopsided and lose, it can ruin the whole month. And when you have a VP of race and sports, it has to go upstairs to talk to the CEO and explain why they're in the red for an entire month. They don't want to hear oh, the vagaries of the point spread. They just want you to have profit. So what ends up happening is the books will accept making less money theoretically in order to lower their risk.
2: Can I tell you how serious the risk is? You probably remember something more recent. The the most recent bloodbath I can remember with the book directors was Patriots Rams Super Bowl, where the Patriots were the dog. And there were actually some high profile celebrities who came in like Barkley, like Phil Mickelson. They they bet on the Patriots, and then all of a sudden, you know, upstairs are like, Hey, what the hell just happened here? Why'd you take that money? We lost. You're fired.
4: You know, this is a good story, and I always like when we go into the casino and we can go behind the scenes in the casino. Fez, let's talk about that. So Barkley came in. It was, if I remember correctly, it was not the Luxor. It was the Mandalay Bay, right? Mandalay Bay. All right. So you know this story? Well, because so. I was
2: doing shows there at the time on a national All right, so radio why network don't you, in the book.
4: Why don't you set the framework? So from what I
2: remember and what I've heard, Barkley came in. He wanted to bet the Patriots, and I think they gave him a line of credit. Like He actually didn't. Not only did he get a big number down, but they actually gave him a line of credit to get the big money down upwards of like three or four hundred thousand dollars on the Patriots at a nice plus number.
4: Yeah, and he didn't put any money out uh, because you, of the credit. Do you have a non-disclosure agreement or something that <laughs> you <laughs> yes, signed? They, I mean, <laughs> it's like, do you want to talk about this story?
5: <laughs> I, I you remember you have to remember this better than I do. I, oh, absolutely. So so Bark they let Barkley bet and he didn't put any money down. So they just he just it was an IOU. Obviously a, a gross um uh, violation of casino rules and
4: people got fired over it. Who who were the people? I think it was
2: Bogdanovich. Yeah, Nick Bogdanovich who now works at William Hill.
4: Yeah. So so is what we're saying is that the what was egregious, at least in the eyes of the bosses who did the firing, was that there wasn't an IOU. Because if you're just playing craps and you say, "Hey, I want to sign for more," then they walk up, they give you a paper, you sign for it and then you they give you your chips right so what was different about this my understanding is he didn't sign for a marker okay so it was just they gave it to him it was the lack of the signature exactly and then and then barkley tried to stiff him
2: well he's had a history around town of having debt and they've had to uh yeah come up with an
4: inter- interesting resolution for him but so this is what's interesting you look at a guy like Bondonovich, i would say if you polled people privately with no regard to any PR, any I don't want to you know make someone mad at me, he would probably be in the top two or three of bookmakers that know what they're doing. He's to-
2: I respect him. He's totally sharp. And again, my recollection of that story was he wasn't the only decision maker, but he was the guy but the point I'm who making got pinned is, to the wall of
4: blame. Yeah, and the point I'm making is it shows you why it kind of makes sense that the book's Or that the bookmakers are somewhat scared is because you got a guy that's considered one of the best in his business. He makes a mistake. It would seem it's objective to say that. And what happens is there, uh, you know, a a suspension? No, you're fired. And in a way, this is something we don't often talk about, but the casinos look at sports books as an amenity, they have to have a bathroom. A men's room and a ladies' room. And why? Because, well, I guess that's probably a law. But they don't want someone walking across the street to the other casino to go to the bathroom. Well, if you want to bet a sporting event, they don't want to necessarily, I mean, they want to make money. But they'd rather you just provide the amenity. And that way, if someone wants to make a sports bet, they can do it quick and get back to the craps table. Because that's what the casinos are built for. And if
2: people don't think that the corporate types call down, the owners call down. Listen, uh, the Palms, George Malouf owned the Palms. He would call every once in a while. He watched it. So you would get screamed at by George Malouf at the Palms Sportsbook. This guy is a billionaire at the time, and he's stressing over a bad day. Who wants to deal with that?
4: And and here's the thing. If you have things like blackjack and craps where that edge is so incontrovertible. It is like death and taxes is the edge when you're playing craps, let's say. You're going to grind and grind and grind. And sports betting, you can make, and if anything, though, the funny thing is the whole percentage in sports betting, even if you're a really aggressive bookmaker and thus the handle goes up, you know CG technology formerly Cantor was always known for we're going to take a bunch of bets our volume is going to go through the roof but we're a whole percentage might be down from 6% to 3 but if we triple the volume we're going to make more money but if someone plays perfect strategy at blackjack fez the whole percentage is less than 1%, right? Yeah, right around half a percent depending yeah. upon the rules. And if you play don't pass and put, you know, free odds behind the line of craps It's like less than like what? A third of a percent.
5: Yeah, 0.6% if you play two times odds.
4: All right. So, and if you play 50 times odds or like some So, the point is you would think they'd be comfortable with a 5% hold, but the thing is you're never going to have a losing month of craps, but you might have a losing month of sports betting. What do you do if Ben Affleck comes in 10 minutes
5: before the game's going to kick off? He wants $2 million and you were balanced, RJ. I think that's a good
2: tease for the next segment. That's coming up next. Straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out, of Vegas. Straight out of Vegas, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. It's Cofield along with R.J. Bell. Fezzik is in the wise guy's chair. We were just having a good conversation about big bets on the Super Bowl and the mechanics of getting down the big bet and the risk for the other side, the books.
4: And I think we should recap what we talked about in the first segment, Cofield, is that the idea, or not the idea, but the actual happenstance of Charles Barkley, some call him Chuck, Chuck Barkley, big batter in Vegas. Uh, A lot of stories around town over the years is a big, big batter. I think he's, and I don't remember the exact number, but he's on record saying, what was it? I think the number, it's worth looking up, but many millions of dollars he, had, he he lost over the years, and he was admitting that. But back in the Rams-Patriots Super Bowl, so the first Belichick Super Bowl is Barkley. There was a dispute, and the sportsbook director was ultimately fired over it. I think it's worth recapping those facts.
2: Yeah, so to set this up, Barkley, in that game, the Patriots are the dog. They're plus 14. He goes into Mandalay Bay. He wants to bet $500,000 on the Patriots. He also says, hey, I like the Pats. On the money line to win the game outright. And at remember, they were, like,
4: they were like 14 point dogs in that they game. They were the plus fact.
2: 14. So, the, you know, the Patriots were not the dominant Patriots of today, where they're favored all the time. So, another 50K at four to one. So, he wants to get down $550,000. Well, the problem was first of all, he won, which is a killer. Uh, two, the boss there who was running the book, a guy named Nick Bogdanovich, who's in the business and very respected around town. He gave Barkley, as a daily racing forum story, recaps this. The tickets without taking any cash or chips, assuming that Barkley's credit was good. And he also didn't go to his bosses for approval. So his limit was not $500,000. So now he'd gone over his limit. So then they go over to MGM, which is a partner property. They go to Barkley before the game and they're like, hey, we need you to sign something so that we know you're good on your marker, and he refused to sign anything. At this point, the book director, his hands are tied. Then he wins! He won $700,000. And as a book director, what do you tell your boss at that point? And I should correct, very important, there is a difference. This story says Bogdanovich resigned. He was not fired.
4: Yeah, but, you know... So, I just want to get the so story does, right. We know so we, does we know these people. You know. Scaramucci did too, right? Yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think I didn't
1: think the mooch that mooch would ever come back. <laughs> the mooch.
4: Barkley and this is from azcentral.com lost and this is as of 2015 January they said lost nearly 30 million dollars gambling. So this is a gambler, right? Not sports I think for the most part, but what's the takeaway as we wrap is if I'm a businessman, if I'm the owner I'm saying, is this guy a good bookmaker, right? And if he is and he made a mistake, it's like, listen, anytime, I don't care if it's the president or the pope, someone wants credit, you get it signed. You promise me you've got that. You've got one more chance. Next time you don't do that, you're fired. And I let him go and do his thing if he's really good, which Bondanovich is considered very good. The fact he got fired I think is a sign is how low tolerance the casinos have for the sports books because, again, the sports books are an amenity. They, they want to offer it. They just don't want any legal trouble, and they just don't want any losses. So, RJ, what are you going to do? Charles Barkley walks up. You're the sports
5: book director. Game's kicking off in 10 minutes. He actually has $2 million in legitimate chips, and he says, I want to bet the $2 million on the Eagles. Do so you take the bet? Can I,
2: can I jump in? Because you set this up five minutes ago by saying Ben Affleck walks in. We should say there's a difference between Ben Affleck, at least as far as we know, and Charles Barkley. That who's, matters as well. Who's
4: sharper? Who's going to keep playing? If it's NBA, I, I don't, I'll tell you this. Barkley's pretty sharp in the NBA. I don't want his bet there.
2: But who's going to keep playing? Who's uh-huh. more likely to go off the rails and keep playing and playing and playing? So, yeah, I'll take the bet.
4: Yeah, that's fascinating because we talked about that last night is sometimes they're willing to take jumbo bets to get them back to the craps table in sports, meaning jumbo sports bets. Here's what I would do. If I were the VP of sports books, which I never would be because I hate bookies. But if I were somehow, if if I ended up having like some huge judgment in some civil case because I hit someone, knock on wood, then I had to take that job. Okay. What I would do? is I'd call upstairs and get the check off. And if I can't, I wouldn't take the bet because I'd understand that whatever theoretical edge I was giving up, I was risking my job over. So what kind of sense would it make to risk my job over making the guy who's going to fire me more money? If I'm the boss, though, if I'm the owner, and they call up, I'm taking that bet till I'm blue because if I were in Vegas bookmaking... And I've never booked made in my life, legally or illegally, not even in the dorms. I was always a batter, right? But to me, I would book like the offshore books do. And it's not worth getting too deep into Fez. But in 30, 40 seconds, books like Pinnacle, books like Chris, some of the biggest online books in the world, they book very differently than even the most aggressive Vegas books. How would you characterize that difference?
5: Well, I think they go ahead and target their very best betters and they try to get on the side that their sharpest betters are on and they don't look to just
4: balance. Yeah well and that's a way I think how they book as in like do they move this number or not but would you agree with this um, description is in Vegas they're trying to make money without taking by minimizing risk. Online, so let's get let's give an example. Is if you said okay, you can have a hundred percent chance at a million dollars, or you can have a fifty percent chance at three million dollars. Now, if you could have that every month, it doesn't take too much math to say, well, the sure one million or three million half the time and zero half the time. Well, in the course of a year, six times three is eighteen. Right? So, if you're winning half the time, and 12 times 1 is 12, 18 is bigger than 12. The online books are taking the 50% chance of 3 million. The Vegas books are taking the 100% chance at a million. Absolutely. And I've got some experience with this. I've been down in Coruscant. I know Henry down there,
5: did some consulting for him. And he would literally go through the board, and he'd say, all right, Fez, we're going to look for a $200,000 position on Team A and Team D and Team F. He'd go through the board. That was where he wanted to be. Sometimes it didn't work out with bets at post, but he would target it, shade his numbers that way.
1: I am Elma J. Fudd, millionaire. I own a mansion and a yacht.
4: <laughs> that was a Fudd moment? <laughs> well, because he goes, oh, I booked for Henry. Right? Does he really? Who in the... How many people were on 330 stations? <laughs> Coast to coast, see the shiny sea. We're on Sirius 83, the iHeartRadio app, and he says Henry. There's probably seven people that know Henry out there. But he I, was, he was I, big time. I thought it was a nice touch. He, he was, it well, sounded yeah, really personalized.
2: I bought, I bought it completely. <laughs> uh, one last thing for me on the Big Better. Fezzik is here at Steve Cofield along with RJ Bell. It's straight out of Vegas. We're talking about a Big Better who got down $3 million this week, negotiated with the MGM, got the $3 million down, eagles money line at plus 155 we think right we think 155 yes if i ask you you're a big better i don't know if you're betting three mil at any one time but if i if i ask you uh what do you think about his approach from this standpoint if they're going to lower the number from plus 180 to plus 155 are you better off just going you know what give me what you can on plus 180 and i'm gonna bounce around town and try to get the rest of the money down is it even likely you could get Three million total. I, I want to ch- I
4: You're asking Fez this, but I want to. I want to question the premise of the, of the question. Is if you want ten down, you got to take the three. If you can get three in one place, if you don't care about the number, seemingly you got to take the whole three. Now, the way Fez would do it is. I want to get down 10, but I'm not going to take a bad number no matter what. So I'm going to get the max I can at the right number. And if that adds up to be 10, great. If that adds up to be one, great. But I'm not not making another dollar bet at a bad number. This guy, it seems like he's willing to take the bad number, which tells me he's going to lose in the long run. If you told me you you can bet on, you can be long or short, the let it ride better, I would almost certainly be short because he doesn't care about the numbers. And if the games aren't or seemingly doesn't care, meaning plus 180, plus 155, what's the difference? If the Eagles win, I win. That mentality, it's impossible to win in the long run unless the games are fixed. And the World Series is not fixed. Most likely, and the Super Bowl is not fixed, most likely.
5: I agree. It's like a mutual fund manager that decides, hey, I got to buy $10 million worth of a position. He wouldn't say, I need it in the next 10 minutes because obviously it's going to get a terrible price. You want to buy slowly, gradually. That's but the however, best way. But however,
4: whatever the mechanics are, if you're a great investor or a great batter, you only care about the number, or not only, but you care in a very very motivated way about the number.
5: To attempt to maximize the very best number you can get on your on your trade, correct?
2: The Patriots always play close super bowls. We'll talk about the history. Do we need to factor that in when you play the game. But first, Steve Desager, with the latest.
0: Thank you very much. Tiger Woods shot a third round 70 today in San Diego. He moved up to a tie for 39th place at three under par. Alex Norin leads by one stroke. Roger Federer is in the Australian Open final late tonight. Caroline Wozniacki won the Women's Championship. The NHL is off for All-Star weekend with the game in Tampa tomorrow. The NFL's Pro Bowl is Sunday in Orlando. Patriots tight end Rob Gronkowski returned to practice today. He's still in concussion protocol for the time being. Great news there's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Paul George of Oklahoma City will be in next month's NBA All-Star game, replacing the injured DeMarcus Cousins. Memphis guard Mike Conley will finally have season-ending heel surgery. Golden State won the feature matchup tonight, beating Boston 109-105. Steph Curry 49 points. Home victories for Indiana and Miami, for Denver and Minnesota. Washington beat Atlanta, the worst team in the league and oklahoma city won its seventh straight game handing detroit a seventh straight loss russell westbrook a triple double teammate andre Robertson of okc did leave with a knee injury a preliminary report called it a ruptured patellar tendon and finally in college basketball number two virginia won at duke kentucky came back to win at seventh ranked west virginia in overtime nc state won at 10th ranked north carolina number 11 arizona edged utah 74 73 back to you
2: Straight out of Vegas, Steve Cofield, R.J. Bell, Fezzik in the wise guy's chair. It's Super Bowl week. It is Super Bowl week. To me, it's two weeks in Vegas. So when we look at this Patriots team, when we look at this Patriots team, you know, they've won a lot of these games. Every one of the games is close. In fact, crazy enough, last year's game that went to overtime was actually the biggest margin in Patriots Super Bowl history with Brady and Belichick.
4: Two ways to look at this. One is to poo poo it and say seven games, anything can happen in seven games. You know that they're competitive teams they're playing because they're in the Super Bowl. Competitive teams lead to competitive games, right? That's A. B, Fez, is there's something about the Super Bowl that causes teams to be conservative. And conservative, meaning if you get a lead, you quit throwing. If you. Uh, early in a game, it's a fourth down on the midfield. You punt instead of go for it. And conservative play leads to tighter games. So is it an aberration that all these Pats games have been tight? Or is it a sign of some game style? And if it's a game style decision, coaching type decision, does it continue? I think it's an aberration because we know about the Patriots. When they get ahead, they don't
5: play conservative. They go for the throat. They keep how Have they done that in the Super Bowl? Absolutely. I mean, they've kept scoring. I mean, I th- I think back in some of their Super Bowls, the reason they're close, like the Carolina Super Bowls, Carolina just kept scoring also. Remember, RJ, I think this is a short sample. If we were doing the show back in 1995... But seven
4: games... Se- we're not, we're, hold on. We're not talking about Super Bowls in general. We're talking about Patriots Super Bowls. Now, seemingly, they're there half the time, so <laughs> mo- you know, a lot of modern Super Bowls have the Patriots. If a game is low-scoring it is more likely it's going to be a close game, right? If I told you there's going to be 10 points this game, then, well, worst score is going to be 10 nothing, right? And if, if there's 90 points, it could be a real blowout. Is The stat on New England in the first quarter is an amazing stat, and I think it speaks to the idea that, The conservativeness of Belichick leads to tighter games. Give us that first quarter stat. Yeah, so the Patriots in their seven Super Bowls have not scored a single
5: point, not even a field goal, pursuant to what you're saying, RJ. A a single point in the whole game? In the first quarter. Oh, you might have wanted to mention that. (laughs) Of those seven games. They scored a whole lot after that. But it goes back to what you're saying. I think in a lot of those games, so they're favored. They know they should win the game. And they're thinking, you know what? If we don't make the big mistake, we're probably going to win the game. They've come out
4: too conservative. Okay, so it sounds like you're making my case that it's it's not just randomness that they're playing the Super Bowl the Patriots differently than they play typical games in the first quarter absolutely. Well, if one quarter of the game is going to be particularly low scoring, then it feels like it makes it more likely that the whole game is if if I if I knew for sure, if I came down and said I know for sure from the mountaintops and I've got a stone tablet that says it will be nothing-nothing at the end of the first quarter of this Super Bowl, do you play the under in the game? Oh, of course. because So thus, a scoreless first quarter is going to lead to tighter games.
5: Yeah, and the fact that the Patriots have been scoring zeros, it makes it likely that it's going to be a closer game because they're favored to win, and they're behind at the end
4: of the first quarter. Mr. Cofield, doesn't it seem like he's contradicting <laughs> himself now?
5: Yes,
2: you're being run in circles here.
4: So which one is it? Well, the the question
5: is, is it predictive moving forward? It probably is slightly predictive. I don't think it's as predictive as you would think based upon the slam dunk seven straight close games.
4: Well, yeah, no one's saying it. Well, listen, if we felt like it's for sure that it's going to be a close game, then we know what we're doing. We're making our biggest bet of our life on the Eagles, right? We're not doing that. My question is this. How much more, and all joking aside, we want to get to the facts here. How much, how much more inclined would you be to take the Eagles plus five in this Super Bowl compared to if this were a regular season game, somehow played on a neutral field? So everything else is the same except the stakes. How much more likely do you think the Super Bowl would be a close game and thus it would increase the likelihood you'd want the plus five team? I think it's more likely the game will be close, but I'm obviously worried about the nerves of the Eagles who have not been there before. All right, so what you're saying is the fact the stakes are high have two factors. One is pro-Eagles, which is a closer game because the Patriots have a history of close games in the Super Bowl. The other one is negative Eagles, which is this is their first Super Bowl in a long time, and that's the nerves factor. Absolutely. So it would not surprise me to
5: see... a. I- game that goes overtime, it would not surprise me to see the Patriots win by 27
4: points. Things could snowball. It wouldn't surprise you to see the Patriots win by 27? No, it would not. Hmm. Last question is is there a way that we take the history of the first quarter? And this is a... We'll tease the props a little bit. But if you tell me seven straight games, that's a game in three quarters if you break up seven quarters, Right. Four and one and three out of four in the other. If there's a game in three quarters, the Pats are shut out. That seems noteworthy, right? How do we get at that? One way is under in the first quarter. Now, that scares me because that number's always, it's gone down and down and down as this first quarter Super Bowl thing has gotten more and more public. Uh, Other ways is under in the first half. Maybe first quarter versus third quarter. What is the best way if if the listener is saying, you know, that's some strong history—seven straight scoreless first quarters for the Pats in Super Bowls. How do they get at it? My favorite way to get at it is to play the
5: third quarter to outscore the first quarter. You got to lay like minus a dollar thirty-five. You get everything you just mentioned. You get the Pats' history of not scoring in the first quarter. You get the history of Super Bowls being higher scoring in the second half versus the first half in general. Third quarters are slightly higher scoring than first quarters, even during the regular season. You add that all up, solid value.
4: Third quarter outscores first quarter. And that's even money, but you got to lay some juice. Got to pick them, lay 130. Yes. About 130. Okay. Real quick, Cofield, is go to, if you want to hear things like what Fez just gave us, because he gave us that on the dream preview, go to pregame.com or my Twitter, at Vegas, And Fez and I did about an hour 45. Really deep diving into the Super Bowl. And we're going to touch on some of it the rest of today's show and obviously some of it next week. But this is a true wise guy deep dive. And it's the dream preview, part of podcast one, 100% free, up right now. That's
2: RJ Bell. Fezic is here. I'm Cofield. It's straight out of Vegas on Fox Sports Radio. So Fez mentioned the experience factor. Let's talk experience in Super Bowls with the coaches, with Belichick against Peterson.
4: Well, to me, Belichick's the best coach of all time. I mean, I'm talking Vince Lombardi, whatever. But I would make the case that Belichick's distance from his second place coach is greater in the Super Bowl. Meaning if you say, okay, Belichick's the best coach of all time and he's 30 units above whoever you think is number two. If he's 30 units above overall as a coach, he's more than 30 units above as a Super Bowl coach. Agree or disagree, Fezzik? I'm not sure I agree.
5: And the reason being, he's played seven Super Bowls, right? Every every one of those Super Bowls could have gone either way, RJ. I'm not sure that it has translated all that
4: being a much better coach into being a better Super Bowl (laughs) coach. I think that your logic there is atrocious. (laughs) (laughs) Who's to say... If he was supposed to win any of those games, meaning we can't just look at the five and two, which if you're playing the second best team in the league and you're five and two, that's pretty good, right? So in fact, that feels like that's probably better than his regular season record, right? So five divided by seven versus his regular, we'll look that up during the break, but against the second best team in the league, he has a better record. I'm guessing, and we'll confirm that than the regular season seems like it's converted. Strong point that he's,
5: <laughs> he's going to win seventy one percent of his games out of the regular season win seventy one percent of his super Bowls, and you could argue the reason he won late is he's such a good end game coach as well, <laughs> so now
4: he's flipping again, <laughs> but the point is here's why I think so I think it's and 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 maybe in a way I'm being too hard on you because I'm not sure that was the case back i mean listen, the most impressive Super Bowl for Belichick was, I mean, that Rams team was considered an all-time t- a 14-point. I mean, think about it. The Pats were at home against the Jags, and they were only favored by 7.5. I mean, this was a 14-point favor. And,
2: and he rolled out there with a neophyte at quarterback in Tom Brady. He's Tom Brady. But at the time, I mean, the, the the kid had barely played.
4: He was a six-round pick in his second year that, that was, like they thought the season was over when 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 uh, Bledsoe got hurt. They right? beat the greatest show on turf with a no-name quarterback. Now listen, Belichick had a lot of experience with the Giants and, and other Super Bowls under Parcells. And you could argue that in
5: that Rams Super Bowl, he was extremely unlu- unlucky to make it come down to that final drive. They were
4: dominating up 17-3. to They really should have won that by 7 to 10 points. So my last point would be, I think because Belichick had so many Super Bowls as an assistant and now an unparalleled number as a head coach that the experience, if you let the best guy at something have more experience at something, then he's going to be even better at that.
5: Yeah, and he's much more experienced in this Super Bowl more than any
4: other of the Super Bowls that he's 5-2 and in. Just like I'm the oldest today I've ever been. And you know something? (laughs) I'm the youngest I'm ever going to be. Wow. That's a mind twister. (laughs) Think on that, Cofield. Now, I
2: asked about experience with the coach, but there are coaches, and maybe the Pats have a disadvantage beyond Belichick with distracted coaches. That's on the way. Straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight
6: out of Vegas!
2: Straight out of Vegas coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Great news. There's a quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes... You could save 15% or more on car insurance. Breaking down Super Bowl 52. Yeah, it's Super Bowl week. It's already here. We were talking about coaching matchups, Belichick over Peterson, but we need to talk about the rest of the coaching staffs, and especially on the Patriots' side.
4: Let me ask a question, though. Do you feel like perhaps a sign of the drop-off in education throughout the country is that the Super Bowl, it seems like less and less the Roman numerals are being used. Like when I look at the hashtag Super Bowl fifty two with the five and the two, it seems to be more common. And remember on the Simpsons where Bart had to figure out which door to go in, but they were Roman numerals, and he goes, Well, Rocky two, Rocky three, Rocky four, and he was able to figure out which one it was because of Rocky. Like could Bart Simpson in 2018 Maybe not figure it out because we're not using Roman numerals in the Super Bowl. Is this a sign of society collapsing?
2: Highly educated guy, Fezzik.
4: Go ahead. We couldn't even convert to the metric system, clearly. First of all, I was so... Were you for the metric system? Of course not. Oh, I thought oh. I was going to say, of course. Oh, there was yeah. going to be an avalanche in the room. I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, that would have been it. I would have cut his mic. <laughs> I mean, I I was in... You're so Europhysic! I was 10 years old in 80, and they used to... It was... I'll be honest with you. No one can figure my politics out because I have extreme positions... Like, not extreme, but different positions on the map, right? But I'll tell you this. In 1980, when I was 10... And we used to have the little highlight magazines. Do you, anyone remember those? Of course, yes. Yeah. And they used to be preaching like like dumb dums use ounces, the smart kids use, you know, whatever that crazy commie stuff was. And to me, I thought there was a, some kind of agenda to try to get us to be thinking like the Europeans.
2: How about how much times have changed? Could you even call a kid dumb dumb anymore? Can you call take take it easy with the dum dum? Be nice to the child. I dum dum. Well, no, yeah, I hear. I'm going to say my number one complaint with the Roman numerals is I don't like what the Romans did with the transition around fifty. I don't like it. That's huh. where I've gone out.
4: So in a way, you're saying it's Darwinian. Is that if the Roman numerals made sense, we would keep using them?
2: I think it got confusing around fifty with stuff in front, uh, front of the L, and then eh, it's I'm out.
5: We still use the penny in this country. Nothing could be dumber than that. But,
4: Fez, if you have a mansion and a yacht, you don't need pennies. Some people do. (laughs) I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) Because they're not following his picks, he said.
2: Does this mean we didn't want to get into my Matt Patricia, Josh McDaniels debate? All right, go ahead. It it is interesting, right? And we, we dealt with this, and we do it every year, with Nick Saban in Alabama. It seems like there's someone getting a job off his staff, having to coach a big game, while their eye is on the next job, and Patricia going to the Lions, and we think... McDaniels is pretty much a lock for the Colts.
4: And I'll tell you this, and we talked about the, I guess, conspiracy theories that this could be Belichick's last year on prior shows here on Straight Out of Vegas. One of the reasons we thought maybe it's different is the way Belichick was more open and supportive of his coordinators getting jobs, where in the past, the the as the stories go, Belichick was like, hey, if you want to leave, you can leave, but I'm not gonna make it easy and I'm not gonna distract, you know, maybe more importantly, I'm not gonna distract from this team's chances to win for you to go get another job. It seems like this time, by all accounts, he was more forgiving of that. He was more open to helping. Now, could it be he felt like these two deserved it particularly and thus was more open to it? Or is it he's on the way out the door? Is it he's getting more mellow? Open question is, assuming the reporting's true and he was more open this time, why would that be? I think he's
5: supportive because his OC and his DC both probably work 18 hours a day. And and
4: and you're saying the prior ones didn't? I don't know. Okay, but do you have any reason to think these coordinators are working harder than the prior ones? Than guys
5: like Charlie Weiss? Yeah. Than Romeo Cornell? Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not privy to it. All right, so it doesn't seem like that's a factor then. I don't think he would be so open if they weren't
4: just absolutely all in with their preparation each and every week. So you're saying you feel like that, they, that he can trust even if he helps him get a job that he's going to play really hard or they're going to prepare really aggressively. So here's the question. Do you believe the fact that they both have jobs lined up, it would seem, is that a distraction for the Patriots? I think it's a distraction, but the Patriots are the one team It probably minimalizes those distractions. It's um, so institutional. Football is number one, two, and three. So the fact is you think it's a factor, but it's a very small factor because it's the Patriots. Yes. What do you think? I agree. I think, if anything, those guys have been s- coaches Belichick likes, which means they're not the kind of coaches that are going to get distracted.
2: I've got a future question on McDaniels and Patricia for you guys. But next hour, we've got a hidden home field advantage. It's secret. For one of these teams in the Super Bowl. Home field advantage for one of these teams. Yep, that's on the way. Straight out of Vegas. Vegas! Hour two is here. We do two hours every Saturday night. You heard it. Steve Cofield, RJ Bell.
4: And in the wise guy chair, if we could pick anyone to be there, we've got the guy, Steve Fezzik, the best NFL handicapper in the world, in my opinion. The only super contest champion to win it twice. That's a million dollar contest here in Vegas picking NFL games.
2: The Vegas lead for hour two.
4: Well, we know that one. It is the Super Bowl. You, you know, sometimes before the show, we'll be like, what's today's Vegas lead? What does that even mean, Vegas lead? It means it's the biggest sports story from a Vegas perspective. Well, it's not the Pro Bowl. We know that. We will be talking about that by the end of the hour. It's the Super Bowl. And right now we've got the Patriots favored by five points over under total 48.
2: So we were talking about coaching and experience and Belichick versus Peterson. But, you know, there are other coaches. It goes down uh, by the staffs, you know, with the coordinators and all the other position coaches. Josh McDaniels, Matt Patricia, they're moving on. Patricia to the Lions, McDaniels to the Colts. We were talking about their motivation. Are they distracted? I would argue that they're actually more motivated because they're leaving the Death Star. They're leaving the Death Star and they're going to have to go somewhere else where maybe they're never going to win a Super Bowl.
4: Yeah, I mean, and that's an interesting question we talked about on the Dream Preview podcast. That's up on my Twitter, or literally you can go to any of the podcast players, search for RJ Bell, B-E-L-L, and find the Dream Preview. Fez and I did about an hour 45 this week on the Super Bowl, an early look, and we'll do another show next week on that. And I posed Fez this question. It's a math one, so let me pose it again. Is... What are the odds of, let's just pick one at a time, right? So McDaniel, what odds would you take to say, yes, he will win a Super Bowl as a coach? It could be as a head coach, or it could be as an assistant down the road if he has to step back again the rest of his career. Would you take an even money bet that yes, he will? Well, now if we include him as an assistant coach, I think it probably should be pick him. All right, so let's assume, and I would assume the DC you'd feel about the same. Yes. So if you have... And Fez is pretty good at making these odds. So if the chance of you winning another Super Bowl is 50-50 the rest of your career.
2: But that's head coach or any kind of... Any, and get another ring. I just want head coach, though.
4: It doesn't matter, though. The question is, how much does this ring matter? Because what would make Eh. the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, maybe put 90% into this instead of 100 is the idea, well, I can always win a ring, right? It's no big deal. It's a big deal. A ring you never know, as the stone said, this could be the last time. What are your thoughts on the
2: head coach angle? Patricia as the Lions coach, McDaniels as the Colts coach, can and I they, could also, they, they could also be a coach somewhere else down the road.
4: Oh, you're saying the odds of them winning, winning a, a Super, Super Bowl? Bowl
2: as a coach, so you can examine both hey, the Colts' chances with McDaniels, Patricia with the Lions, and then if one of them flops, a chance of getting another job down
4: the road. If you bundled them like in horse racing, sometimes there'll be two horses that are so bad, you can bet them bundled. I think, I, I can't remember the lingo for that. Do you remember it, Fez? I don't, but, but I,
5: I know where you're going. You're going to make them a slight favorite, right? No. Big you,
4: favorite. You, no. Ooh. You bundle those two, and as a head coach, will one of them win a Super Bowl? I would certainly bet a big bat no at even money. Okay. Ooh.
2: Head yeah. to head, I would go Patricia way over McDaniels.
4: Is this because of like a Tim T, like a residual Tim Tebow hate from all your hundreds of or tens of thousands of hours on talk radio? Part of it. (laughs) But at least he's admitting it.
2: Also, speak to people who were around the Broncos organization. Josh McDaniels was a control freak, was not a good communicator, was very immature. Now, I have not grown immaturity at all over the last 15 years, so I guess I shouldn't project onto Josh McDaniels. He may have matured. He may be better at it now, but the other disadvantage I think he has is his owner. Jim Irsay is too involved. He's undisciplined. He's a clown. I like Patricia. I like the rocket scientist angle. And here's the other one. I have a quarterback that I know is going to play and be healthy in Matt Stafford. I don't know about Andrew Luck on the McDaniels side.
4: Hold on a second. If you were a GM right now, and you had a choice for the exact same contract to sign Andrew Luck or Stafford, who would you sign?
2: I need full medical evidence that Luck is going to be good to go. I can't do it without no, It's This injury has been such a mystery, RJ. I don't Let, know.
4: Let's get something straight. This isn't a negotiation for some secret new information. As of right Knowing now. what I know? As of right now. Stafford over Luck. Woo,
5: talk about a hot take. I think you're a lot safer with Stafford. You can make the playoffs. You want to win a Super Bowl. You want to take luck and his unpredictability. How'd the Lions do in the playoffs this year? The Lions don't win playoff games.
4: (laughs) Or don't make the playoffs most years. (laughs) Because of Jim Caldwell. (laughs) There's always some story. Let's back up with Ursay a second. How did he make his money? His dad gave him the team. So it was totally, I was asking seriously, it was totally inheritance. Yes. All right. I don't like calling anyone a clown. Unless I didn't, did I call him a clown? Yeah. And that's fine. I, think not, I, I was trying not to call him a clown. I called him on discipline. Somehow you, it's like you were mentally trying not to, and you still did.
2: I know you hate this when nobody's, like myself, criticize millionaires, if not billionaires, because yeah. they, had, they had to get to a certain level somehow. But there is proof that he's on but, discipline. But, but he's been I'll, involved in yeah. a lot of
4: tomfoolery <laughs> away from the team. <laughs> no, he, and I'll tell you this: if it's I don't pure, trust him, if it's pure inheritance, I don't want to, you know, be pejorative as a you know clown or you know whatever. But I do, will say this guy's accomplished nothing, and I'll accept that, right? To me, it's when a guy's actually built something and someone sits on the sidelines. And this is Talk Radio 101. I mean, <laughs> everyone does it, right? Because you got to right. talk about something and you've got to have an opinion. Here, we're about cash, right? And if someone's made, like someone like, you know, that Zuckerberg's an idiot. It's like, okay, yeah. <laughs> He's worth $60 guess, billion And, you know, it, to me, it's just if you're thinking like that, you're not thinking. No, I, I'm
2: I think I am thinking. No, on, I'm not the, talking about on the, you. I'm on talk- the point on the point of making money, I think you can grade owners into a handicap saying, "Hey, is that owner championship quality? Do you trust that owner? Do I trust the bus but, kids? But an owner Do I
4: trust James Dolan?" An owner who's one level below championship quality that made let's say 500 million dollars in a business or a billion is not might not be championship quality? But he's not a clown.
2: But you do notice the people I named, right? Yeah, the bus kids. Yeah, Stolen a kid who got
4: I the inheritance. I know, agree. The kid I... doesn't
2: always. They, you know, some kids take the fortune and it you know, explodes tenfold. Others, it's kind of live life and have fun.
4: I agree with you 100 percent on that. Is if they have, w- if they haven't done much on their own. Then just like someone on the street, we might see that say, oh, look, that guy's got some crazy hat on. He might be a clown. It's like, yeah, but if we found out he's a billionaire, we might think, well, maybe not. But if we found out he inherited the money, maybe so.
2: You know, it might be interesting is I should do a little research and I should have done this already to see how Jim Ursay has increased in value, what he's done in the business world. Has he been productive in any
4: aspect? Because I'll tell you this, and I mean, this will be, I think the last thing we say about this topic is... Sometimes the most brilliant people are the most erratic. I mean, you see it in art a bunch, right? I mean, think about the great musicians, right? If we had to make a list of the 50 best rock albums of all time, there'd be some crazy people on there, right? And obviously the 50 greatest painters of all time, crazy people. I think in business, it's harder to be crazy and be a success But, you know, you look at like a Steve Jobs, you know, there's a funny line in a movie where they said, well, we've never had a president that's been a uh, sociopath. And the guy looks at him and goes, what? We've never had a president who wasn't a sociopath because (laughs) how do you get to be president? Right. So the whole idea of mental health and all that, I think it's pretty complex.
2: That's R.J. Bell. Fezzik is in the wise guy's chair Steve Cofield straight out of Vegas. So we mentioned this hidden home field advantage For Philadelphia and New England, one of the teams has a hidden home field in Minneapolis.
4: I tell you, Fez, you talked about this in the Dream Preview. I think your first point is shockingly good. I think your second point is one of the best points of the year. So let's start with the fan advantage.
5: Yeah, so once in a generation trip for the Eagles, they only make the Super Bowl like every 20 years. You know that they're going to be all in. They're going to be traveling to Minneapolis in droves, buying up all the tickets. And it's a hard sell for them. Now, do
4: we have any sense of that yet? Like, so people will say, okay, on SeatGeek or whatever, here's the current ticket price. Is there a sense that the Philly fans are are making more of a trip? I took a look at it early in the
5: week, and it was 5% to 3% Philly versus New England. But the problem was that everything is redistributing because right now, most of the tickets have been allocated or they're in the hands of Minnesota people and those people don't want the tickets anymore. So All the
4: Philly people are buying them. So, Steve, you follow this stuff pretty closely. Right. Like like the mainstream media, what Uh, they're saying about this.
2: I think you also need to look into the factor. Does Minneapolis, do the people there want... Philadelphia Eagle fans in their town because they've actually been a bit resistant. There was a story this week about Airbnb. You know what that is, right? Yes. People have their house. They want to rent out their house. Hey, this is you wait for this. It's a Super Bowl. I can charge thousands of dollars. There's a story out there. Airbnb owners in Minneapolis are like, we're not letting Philadelphia people stay at our house. Now I don't think hotels could do that, but I also, I wonder how many Eagle fans are actually encountering a situation where the tickets are crazy and then they can't find somewhere to stay.
4: And I'll tell you this, that was the second point Fez made on the Dream Preview and we taped on Wednesday. I saw this nowhere, nowhere before Wednesday and Fez arrived at it. The fact that we're seeing stories about it now, I think, validates the concept. So lay it out, Fez, where you think it might affect that hidden home field advantage. Yeah, so reset. Some Minnesota fans went
6: to
5: Philadelphia. They were treated very, very badly. It got publicized. The entire city of Minneapolis is very angry at the city of Philadelphia and the Eagles. Because of that, I am very concerned now that everyone, all the locals in Minnesota, they may not be fans of the Patriots, but they now hate Philadelphia and they hate the Eagles. So, all these (laughs) neutral people that I wasn't worried about now may well come in and scream and yell
4: against the Eagles.
2: Hey, it's an Uh, NFC team. I'm going to root for the NFC. Not anymore.
4: And a lot of people might listen to Fezzik and say, How'd that guy win the Super Contest (laughs) twice? That's how. That's how.
2: (laughs) We got injury issues to examine with Rob Gronkowski and that concussion. We'll find out what his value is on the way back straight into Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Straight out of Vegas, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com. Call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part figuring out which way is easier. Steve Cofield, R.J. Bell, Fezzik is in the wise guy's chair, really breaking down Super Bowl 52 before we really break it down again next week for three hours on Friday and Saturday nights.
4: I want to wrap about... Josh McDaniels. And when I say rap, I mean W-R. Not like, hey, let's rap, everybody. About Josh <laughs> Go ahead. I would love to
2: hear a freestyle, guys, in L.A. Let's all,
4: sit, let's all sit cross-legged. <laughs> all right. So I believe if we were writing the story about Belichick being hired by the Patriots, I'm sure we could go back on... The Google machine and figure this out is I'm guessing there was a lot of, hey, Parcells was mighty successful and Belichick's been there for a bunch of it, but he had a shot in Cleveland and oh man, were they bad? This is a retread. I'm guessing we had a variation of that contemporaneously. Sure. All right. So, does that mean McDaniels seems like the same thing, right? Is if you had to characterize what Belichick did with Cleveland, it was, he came in, he was young, he was stubborn. He had some very strong opinions that were different than convention. And Art Modell wasn't open to him and they did not work. He's an assistant that needs someone to control and tell him that's a bad idea. Sit down. Now, you're making a bunch of faces. Let well, me finish my point. Oh, go ahead.
2: I'll just I'll counter that with... I think the Browns issue... Belichick's lack of success with the Browns was an organizational problem. Now, this is easy in hindsight because he's won. So I can say this. I don't believe it was a Bronco organizational issue with McDaniels there. But how I think, mu- he, I think, I how think much he held of it himself though was, back and I think the Browns held Belichick back.
4: But how much of it was what Modell did and how much of it was... That if he would have started winning, I mean, the boy genius, as you call McVeigh, started winning year one. So let's—I don't know the ownership with the Rams all that well to say how much you're going to interfere or not. But I can guarantee you they're going to interfere less this off season than they would have if they went four and twelve this year. So if Belichick would have started winning, he would have had less interference. Now I'm not saying that's the only factor because some coaches just get more, or owners get more involved. Than others. My point is, he wasn't ready at the time to be a head coach. And this is a powerful conceptual concept. If you're trying to be a good, conventional, whatever, school teacher, radio host, musician, whatever, right? Then it's so much easier than wanting to become a revolutionary musician or radio host. I mean, think of a guy like Howard Stern. I believe one of the true geniuses of radio. I'm a big fan, right? He's obviously made a ton of money as a huge number of fans. Howard Stern was so different when he was young that you listen to some of the old tapes. I don't like him. It's like he's so out there. And then he figured out, okay, I'm going to cut this 20% off and I'm going to add this 20%. And he got to the point where he's Howard Stern. If you just wanted to be you know, the guy Howard used to, Uh, joke about B.B., the guy from New York, Looney, actually grew up listening to B.B., and it was a guy who goes, I am B.B., and he has, like, the great radio FM voice. It's easier to be a B.B. than a Howard Stern. My thought is, could McDaniels be like Belichick, where he came in with all of this stubbornness and all these ideas, and I'm not going to be conventional, and he just wasn't ready. Then he he made all his mistake or many mistakes, stepped back. He had what another five years with Belichick. and now he's ready to be not the BB, but the Howard Stern. Possible or not? Of course it's possible.
2: You're very glass half full, almost overflowing. Your glass overflowing, but well, if McDaniels. it's
4: overflowing, it's easy to say it's full.
2: And it's not <laughs> fair. It's not fair for me to give up on Josh McDaniel.
4: And but I think the point in Fez in a second but i think the point of if your goal is to be very good but conventional that goal is so much easier to reach than very good and revolutionary and i'm not i don't know enough about mcdaniel's to know that but typically those true truly revolutionary people usually have a massive ego because that's the and they're stubborn that's the only way they're willing to say i'm going to buck convention i don't care about you convention I'm going to win so much. You're, going to, you know, even Belichick going for it on fourth down so much. He was three Super Bowls <laughs> in, and people still were complaining about it, and he kept bucking convention. Fez.
5: Yeah, and I think like a football team, when they play a really bad game their first game of a year, where do we see the biggest improvement between game two and game one? Same with head coaches. Your very first gig, you've got so much to learn. You have to expect they're going to be so much better that second gig.
4: I mean, think about it, Cofield. You've had decades on local radio honing your craft, and now you're on coast to coast for now. Well, well <laughs> I mean, yeah. I will again, have a, a Josh
2: McDaniels-like outcome <laughs> in the end. <laughs> Nosedive, (laughs) annoy people. I'm sure Scott Shapiro will say, I've had enough of this jackass. I'm out. It is Steve Cofield with RJ Bell and Fezzik. Hey, I fight for you every week. I appreciate it. You're the only one, right? (laughs) Beyond that, everyone just fights me because I start the fights. Rob Gronkowski is in concussion protocol. He's out. He's out for the game. He's listed right now as out for the Super Bowl. How can you be out? The early reports, he's out. He's in concussion protocol.
5: He's in practice.
2: He's not bashing head yet. He's no. In, he's in concussion protocol. So, uh, it was a setup. He, listen, he's going to play, I think. We're, we're 90% certain he's going to play. So
4: Fez, let's ask Faz, yeah. do, do you think the line right now assumes 100% Gronk? 95% Gronk. 95% that he plays or 95% effective? 95% that he plays and he's effective. Okay. So if he's not half point?
5: I think a full point. Really? And here's why. One of the big weaknesses of the Eagles, and they, they don't have many, one of the weaknesses in their pass defense is how they defend the tight end. It's the only thing they do bad. They're actually below average in defending no, the opponent's no, tight end. What metric are you using for that? Football outsiders. They rate the Eagles' pass defense only number 17 against the tight end.
4: Okay, and that's below average. And their number 16 is
5: average. Yeah, they're 7 against the top wide receiver. They're 10 against the running back. Running backs—they're
4: good across the board, except for defending tight end. And this is something we talked about before the AFC Championship game, but let's—I think it's even more pertinent now—is this year Brady in no huddle calling the plays at the line of scrimmage has been outstanding. If you look at the effectiveness, outstanding. But they've only done it when they've needed to, right? Why not? Why waste those bullets? And what are the bullets in this analogy is the idea of, hey, the more film people get on this, the easier it is to stop it, right? Number two, and Bill Simmons has talked about this, I think very, very, or not effectively, but I think he's been very insightful, is every time Gronk goes over the middle and attempts to catch a ball, it's like the odds are like one in 15 he's going to get hurt, right? He is fragile for such a big guy. And obviously... Those defenses want a chance to give him, you know, a hopefully legal hit, but they want him out of the game if possible, right? So Belichick's been super judicious about using Gronk as more than a decoy, right? I think a lot of Gronk's value in a typical game, especially if it's not a super competitive game, right? If the Patriots are favored by 10, The decoy factor for Gronk is big because Belichick's not going to use him over the middle too much. We saw at the end of the Steeler game... Great example. Great example.
2: He was the best player on the field and unstoppable, and you knew. The Steelers knew. They were going to him. Couldn't stop him.
4: It's like imagine you playing a video game like Tecmo back in the day, and you had like six times during a season you could press a button that gave you super turbo speed. When are you going to press it? Close games. You need it is is there any reason to hold him back in the Super Bowl could this be a Gronk game unlike any other this year cuz they use him unlike any other game
5: oh absolutely and because of that he's the one guy that actually has a legitimate chance
4: if New England wins if Brady doesn't get the MVP Gronk could get it he could have a monster game and when you know in the next segment we're going to be talking Super Bowl props and the ways to make money at him Generally, we say bet under. The public likes to bet over if it's yardage, if it's catches, if it's points. Thus, we bet under because there's a premium on the over. Is the theory we just laid out about Gronk sufficient for you to consider some over bets for Gronk?
5: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to look to bet him over, but I tell you this, RJ, I'm going to bet it very quickly because the public's going to bet it also. So it's okay to bet with the public bets. You just got to bet it before they move the line. So as
4: soon as he gets say, okay, the public's going to go crazy. Absolutely, or as soon as the the props come out, right? Because some of the Vegas books have them out, uh, but next week they're going to be out even more uh, widely. We've got about a minute here
2: set up for the national audience. What it's like with the props in Vegas and just how deep they go, the volume of props.
4: And Fez, in my opinion, as good we said, Belichick is the best coach ever, and he's even better relatively as a Super Bowl coach. I believe Fez is the best NFL handicapper, and I believe he's even better with the props. So go Fez.
5: Yeah, so this week I'm running all over town asking the sportsbook directors, when your prop's coming up, and they... Well, Ham Haw, some of them know, some of them don't. I'm trying to be at the property to take advantage of them when they first come up. I missed the openers at the South Point. I get a text from my math geek. He goes, you're getting old and fat, Fezzik. And he showed me all of the bets that he made that he knew I would have made if I was there, but I wasn't. Wow, that hurts. Just I
1: am Elma J. Fudd, millionaire. I own a mansion and a yacht.
2: Two Fuds in one show?
4: There might be three. There could be It's whatever. Listen, there could be I don't have quotas. I just do it when it's appropriate. Over one and a half. You head to the window. (laughs) You cash.
2: I respect this man, and I want to hear his top proposition bet tips. But first, Kevin Figures with the latest.
3: All right, gentlemen, in the NBA on Saturday night, the marquee matchup was the Golden State Warriors facing the Boston Celtics. GSW Hoops come away with a 109-105 to 105 victory. Steph Curry and Kyrie Irving going at it all night long, but it was the former two-time league MVP coming away with the victory. 49 points, eight three-pointers, 13 points he scored in the final 90 seconds, did Steph Curry Kyrie Irving no slouch, 37 points on 13 of 18 shooting from the field the Miami Heat rallied from a 15 point deficit, they beat the Hornets 95 to 91, Oklahoma City Thunder get yet another triple double from Russell Westbrook in a 121 to 108 victory over the Detroit Pistons, Paul George did score 26 points in the victory and it was announced that he will replace DeMarcus Cousins in the All-Star game wins in the NBA as well for the Timberwolves, Nuggets, and Washington Wizards. Online car shopping can be confusing, not anymore with true price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. In College hoops, second-ranked Virginia defeated Duke at Cameron Indoor 65-63 to despite Marvin Bagley scoring 30 points and 14 boards for the Blue Devils. Tenth-ranked North Carolina lost at home to NC State 95-91 to in overtime. Kentucky overcame a 17-point deficit to come back and beat West Virginia on the road 83-76. to Kevin Knox had 34 points in that Game for the Wildcats. Kansas with a 79 to 68 victory over Texas AM wins for Arizona, Cincinnati, Alabama, and Texas Tech. And in golf, Tiger Woods shot a 2 under 70 at the Farmers Insurance Open third round to rise into a tie for 39th place as they head into Sunday's final round action. Back to straight out of Vegas. Thank you. We're talking about the approach to proposition bets
2: for Super Bowl 52. Uh, you know, Golden Nugget, 375 options. Westgate, 436 options. I find it daunting and intimidating. So I think we need to give some tips on how to handle this without just freaking out.
4: And one of them is, if all things are equal, bet the under because the public loves overs. And why do they love overs? Because an over can be decided in the first quarter. An under cannot be decided as in you can't book a win until the game's over. Right. So just psychologically that makes people want to bet the overs number two how fun is it to root for someone not to make catches right but your guy makes a catch go 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 it's more fun doesn't mean you play unders blindly at all it means if you're playing more than 30 percent overs you're probably making a mistake
5: and regarding the unders you want to bet on game day, you want to bet just before the game starts. Let the public get at it. Let the public bet Brady over. Let them bet Foles over. Let them bet team totals over. And then, like RJ says, be contrarian. Come in after
4: they move the line. And that's a great point. Old school handicapping 101. I'm talking mid-90s stuff. If you like the favorite, this is just the spread, right? Football game, there's a spread. You like the favorite, you bet early. You like the dog, you bet late. Because the theory is that the public bets the favor. So throughout the week, the line creeps up. And right before kickoff, if you like the dog, you bet. If you like the favor, you get it early at the low number. That used to be the case a significant majority of the time. That's not the case near as much in games now with the spread. I mean, probably more than 50%, but not much over. But I think with props, Fez, that, hey, if you like the public side, bet early, and public side is almost always going to be the overs. If you like the non-public side, bet late. Agree, disagree.
5: Agree, and it's pretty obvious, too. The great thing about this, what, what's the public going to bet? Over or under on
4: Tom Brady, 290 yards, RJ? I think over, perhaps, <laughs> right? All right, now, the next thing I want to talk about, and this is the most important point. Remember, next week, every week, right here on Fox National Radio, is straight out of Vegas, Friday night, 11 Pacific to midnight. Saturday night, 10 Pacific to midnight, and we'll be doing about three hours in aggregate of Super Bowl prep and preview next week. A lot of props, but let's give him a teach a man to fish he eats forever, buy a man a fish sandwich he eats lunch. Now, I like a good fish sandwich, but let's teach him to fish, is you avoid the long shots. As Looney likes to say, the average better likes to bet a little to win a lot. And because of that, those dastardly bookies try to exploit that average batter looking for a little recreation. Yeah. So who's going to score first? What's the exact final score going to be? I
5: remember a Super Bowl, the Denver Broncos against San Francisco. They, I'm at I'm in Vegas. I'm at Caesars Palace. The guy next to me is holding up a ticket. San Francisco scores. They go up. And he's he's got this ticket that says Sammy Winder to score the first touchdown, five to one. And he's he's like, Oh, I can't believe I blew a buck on him. Think about that. Five to one. What are the true odds? Probably should have been
4: 18 to 1. <laughs> Sammy Winder, he says. Now, let's talk about how you can flip that. So to recap, people want to bet a little to win a lot, and the way to do that is The needle in the haystack or the long shot type, you know, first touchdown, etc. Now, what's the flip side? Is you can say, I'm willing to bet a lot to win a little. And that's what the pros are willing to do. And let's use an example, something like a safety. Now, a safety is an example of something that's happened a shocking amount of times recently in Super Bowls. But if you look at the odds, Fez, of a safety based on thousands and thousands of NFL games, what are the true odds, and what typically are the bettable odds? Yeah, so the true
5: odds are right about 1 and 14, but you only have to lay 9 to make 1. So think about this. If there's 14 games, you make the bet 14 times, you're going to go 13 and 1. That one time, you're going
4: to lose 900. You're going to win 100 on all the other 13, though. And thus, you make a ton of profit. Now, people might say, oh, man, I have to risk 9 to win 1. Well, think about it. For the listeners out there, what percentage of you, if the MGM, I usually say Steve Wynn, if Steve Wynn offered you a casino table, would you take it? But probably don't want to bring up poor you know, Steve right now. He's got his own problems. Is if the MGM said this roulette table, roulette table number 17, you can own it as a favor. You've done so much for us. We're going to give you that roulette table. <laughs> Would you? And every day you're gonna get. You can watch it on your little webcam and make sure everything's on the up and up. But you're gonna get the win and the loss on that roulette roulette table every week or day. Do you take it? Oh, absolutely. Go play golf, and I'll book my 5.26 percent all day long. 5.26. He says. Now, <laughs> let's think about this. He knows every number. <laughs> he did go to Northwestern <laughs> as an actuary, right? Is what the casino is betting. Is they're really laying minus thirty five hundred on the number? So if I a drunk guy puts ten bucks on the number ten, he's betting ten bucks to win three hundred and fifty dollars, right? Three thirty five to one. Their true odds are thirty eight to one. So if I told you something is thir- should be minus thirty five hundred, right, or it should be minus thirty eight hundred, but you get to lay minus thirty five hundred, you'd say, wow, that's a slim margin, but That's what the casino builds their billion dollar casinos on. If you're a better and you can lay, as you said, Fez, minus 900 when it's supposed to be minus 1400, that's drastically better than a roulette table. Now, you've got to make sure you're betting an amount small enough when the inevitable bad runs come, you can handle them. Just like a casino won't let you bet. A billion dollars on one roulette spin because they could go broke over it. But as long as you're betting the right amount, the small amounts relative to your bankroll, you can bet a lot to win a little on many Super Bowl props and be replicating in a way what the house does with roulette or craps.
5: Yeah, in the past thirty years, I bet no overtime in the Super Bowl each and every year. Well, finally, got it, caught up to me. I finally lost one, so I'm twenty nine and one. And and what what's the lay on that? You, uh, usually you lay about eight to one. And I actually said to my clients, I said risk five units. That's the maximum bet, so we don't risk you know uh, ten units to win one unit. We go ahead and risk five units just to win a half unit. Like you said, just don't over bet your bankroll.
2: So the story of this Super Bowl, it's Steve Cofield, R.J. Bell, Fezzik, straight out of Vegas, is going to be one of the stories uh, betting wise. Eagles money line, and it's I think it's a story every year. The money line. Is it the best bet to make, especially if the number's not the true number? And you said, Fez, money's pouring in on the Eagles to win the game. So what's the money line story of this Super Bowl?
4: I think you know it better than any of us because you have five years in the past, Cofield, behind the counter. And what did you see behind the counter when it came to once-a-year type batters? They, They don't even know what the spread is, so what do they do?
2: So half of them walk up. And say I want to bet the Eagles, and then you you can now you can be a jerk, and just give them the money line, or just give them you know give them the side minus or plus the four plus the four and a half plus the five. Uh, if you ask them and you explain it to them, hey, it's one hundred and ten to win hundred, but you're going to get five points, or you can get a hundred and fifty on a hundred. They almost always go for the money line and the win and pass up the five points.
4: It's like someone at the do- at the horse track saying, oh. That's my daughter's initials, and thus I'm gonna put five bucks on that. Is that idiotic? No, it's fun. It's recreational, but because there's so many of these recreational betters, it causes a misalignment. So if you have a typical four or or half or five point favor, there's gonna be a typical money line, right? There's a a chart that you can all not almost. There's a chart you look at, but that chart is misaligned. So let's talk about a five point favor. What typically would be the lay price on the money line on the favor? So you'd see the favorite minus 220. You'd see the
5: underdog plus 190. You know what? Let's take Ugh. all the vig out of this. Let's go ahead and just make a no-vig
4: line. It would be like minus 200 on the favorite. No, no Let's do this. I don't want that. Okay. I, I, let's talk reality here, right? So conceptually, if you're trying to find the true chance of a team winning or losing, you take the vig out. That has its place. Here, let's, we want to give... This is going to be the most practical advice we're going to give in all of our prep. So typically, a minus 5 favor would be minus 220 on the fave, plus 190 on the dog. Right,
5: but now you can go ahead and bet the Patriots on the money line minus 175 here in Vegas. That's available because of this, um, all the public going in and betting the Eagles to win the game outright. It's driven the money line way down. There's a bargain on the money line right now for the Patriots.
4: And that's a great way to think about it. It's like the money line is on sale for the Pats. So this is going (laughs) to be, this is going to be the clearest advice we give you in 2018 is If you like New England, look at the money line. We highly recommend the money line. If you like the Eagles, we highly recommend the point spread.
1: This is your wake-up call, pal. Go to work. (laughs) We'll give you some advice
2: on the Pro Bowl and where to wager there and also the biggest points from the Saturday college basketball schedule. Straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Vegas! Starting to Vegas. In our Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes? You could save 15% or more on car insurance. It means you probably should have gotten to geico.com 15 minutes ago. We wrap with the Pro Bowl in two minutes. We've got some college basketball to get to here. But one of the stories of the week in Las Vegas and around the country was... The discussion of legalized sports gambling and the NBA comes in and says, you know what? We want 1% of that.
4: And we talked about this at length during Friday's show, which starts 11 o'clock Pacific right here on Fox. And we do our podcast after the show every week, both shows Friday, Saturday. So that's part of the Fox podcast platform. And also on my Twitter, it's available.
3: His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas.
4: But a quick recap, and Fez, we want to get your thoughts. NBA came out said they want one percent of the handle. That's way, way too much. That would effectively be about twenty percent of the gross margin, or the let's say the, let's say the filtered revenue. You know, not to get too tactical. And they they'd actually ultimately be making more than the states. The idea that the NBA <laughs> would make more from gambling than the state the gambling's happening in—that's not going to happen. All that said, I strongly believe this is a sign. The NBA knows this is happening, and now they want to start making money from it. So it's good news for the industry, that good news being it's almost inevitable that legalization is coming soon. Fez?
5: Yeah, and I think that that 1% has got to come down to like 0.2%, mostly because if you're a bookmaker, you're only holding 5%. And to give away 1% of that, it sounds like, oh, that's 20%. No, but not of your profits because your overall expenses, what are they going to be? Exactly. Maybe 3.5% of your handle. So you're basically giving two-thirds of your profit to the NBA for this integrity fee that should be
4: like a throwaway.
2: And and if I'm the NFL, I want one5 We're bigger than the NBA.
4: Yeah. Now so my the, demand is 2%. So to me, the, the 1% doesn't matter. It's not going to happen. It's the good news of the – think about it a second. The NBA is saying how much – of a cut are we getting in the gambling. That means the gambling is going to happen. I did a 12-minute segment with Stephen A. Smith about this, and I have that audio up on my Twitter, at and it really was a good back and forth because Stephen A. was pretty much representing, let's say, a casual, or not a casual sports fan, but someone that casually understands gambling but is a hardcore sports fan, and he asked a lot of good questions, and I feel really good that, we've got the answer why not only will sports betting generate revenue, but the act of legalizing it will decrease the amount of corruption. And we did a, a pretty deep dive on that.
2: The Pro Bowl goes down on Sunday, 3 o'clock Eastern. The NFC is favored by three. The total is 62 and a half. Do I even want to get involved in this? Am I a degenerate here? Because I made a big bet on the Pro Bowl. I gave
5: it out yes, to my clients. Yes,
4: yes you are.
2: I played
5: under 70, I played under 69, it's down to 63, I would still lean under, and you're getting value from all those Pro Bowls where they scored almost 100 points in Hawaii, and everyone questioned the integrity of the Pro Bowl, no one plays any defense anymore, they've cleaned that up quite a bit, last year the game's in Orlando, 20-13, to the AFC wins, they only get 33 points, and we had a total open at 70 here, and we've got some bad weather, 90% chance of rain. 15-mile-an-hour wins. Is still
4: value at the current number?
5: I think it's still worth a bet, a small
2: bet, on under 63.
4: So Fezzik is betting the Pro Bowl.
2: Still on the game, though, right? Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. College basketball recap. Big game today. Virginia takes out Duke. Virginia was a dog in the game, and they wound up winning uh, 65-63, and it goes under the 136.
5: Yeah, so uh, great job by Virginia. They've
4: been the number one defense all year long. If you look at Ken Palm, Respected Analytics – best defense in, I think, 17 years.
5: Yes, and just incredible. They have been playing as the best team, they and Villanova. The problem is, I don't think they can get any better. I think that they peaked... So when you keep saying they, they, they... Virginia is as good as it's going to get for them. So I think that now that Villanova and Virginia are at the very top locked in number 1 seeds basically. They're going to be teams I'm going to look to fade as we go into
4: February. I will so, tell you so motivational questions you think. Exactly.
2: I will tell you on Virginia Brad Powers great on college basketball. He said he bet the national title for Virginia at 25 to 1. He thinks it'll move to 12 to 1, but he still thinks there's value because this is a different level Virginia team.
4: So you're saying historically it's a team that had a lower ceiling, but he thinks there's something different.
2: Do you buy that? No, I don't either. Well,
5: Brad is the expert. He, he is ha- he is the expert. At 25-1, to 1, absolutely, though, they're going to be a number one seed.
4: Dream preview. It was awesome. It, you thought? I, it was yes. a good, good episode. We did an hour 45 on the Super Bowl, and we're starting to do a basketball one each week. Just search for RJ Bell on any podcast player.
2: And there's a lot more college basketball available now, too, right?
4: Yeah, every week we're going to do a basketball.
2: Yep, excellent. Jonas Knox on the way. We're back next Friday, 11 o'clock Pacific, straight out of Vegas. We're not a-